Uh, I just want to also plug this one other thing before we get moving. Maybe you're new here. Maybe you haven't been here for just a little while. You've, you've only been here for just a little while, and, and you're wondering like how you could get plugged in. You notice out in the lobby, we don't we don't always have them. Things rotate in the lobby. Our lobby doesn't stay the same, just like our gathering times don't. They're not always the same. You never quite know uh, what to expect and when things are going to happen. And and that's by design. That's on purpose. We want uh, we don't want anybody to fall into, and especially even us who who have to who are here every week, who get to do this every week. We don't want to become complacent and just start like going down a list and making sure we hit these things and we do it in a certain order. Uh, we don't want to do anything like that. And so the lobby things change out there, but uh, there. There's no table or anything out there right now for you to sign up for anything. Maybe you're used to going to a church and, and seeing like a, you know, an information table where you go and you sign up for stuff. And, and so we don't have that out there. We do have a lot of stuff on our website, and that's really the thing. We're trying to drive people to the website. There's a lot of stuff you can go there and check out. Uh, we have three main ways that you can get involved, and I want to just share these with you uh, really quickly, and then we're going to jump into the message here this morning, but three ways that you could get involved, three main avenues of ministry uh, that we have here at Legacy. And so uh, one of those is obviously this, Sunday morning. This is, this is one of our main areas of ministry, one of the main ways that you could get involved, and there's a lot of things that you could uh, do. There's serve teams that you can be involved in. You can uh, be a part of a lot of different areas that, that are serving. And so that's uh, so Sunday morning is, is one main area of ministry. Uh, our missional communities is a second area of, mis- of ministry. And now we're winding down our first semester. And so what's going to happen is at the end of this month, we're going to finish up this semester of missional communities, and then we're going to take about a, a five-week break. And then we're going to start them back up in the summer, and they're going to be different. So every semester will be different missional communities that you can get involved in. Uh, so they're going to be, some might be interest-related, some might be just, uh, you know, for, for guys only, for girls only, for, uh, you know, I don't I don't know what all the things that, that will be there and what, what will have you. will just have to go check that out whenever those come around. But uh, so we are winding now. That doesn't mean you couldn't get involved if you said, you know what, I know there's only four weeks, five weeks of missional communities left, but I'd still love to connect with people. Uh, uh, then, then just find somebody on any given Sunday with a badge on uh, that says host team or VIP or, or anything like that. And they would love to give you some information and point you in the right direction. Also, again, you can go to the website, but Missional Communities is number two. And number three is our Four Greenwood Initiative. And this is our partnership with a lot of different ministries here in Greenwood. And so those are our three main ministry outlets. You say, well, what about women's ministry? What about men's ministry? What about seniors ministry? What about all these other ministries? You know what? All of those things we believe can be couched in the three things that we're focusing in on. If you're involved in a serve team on Sunday mornings and you're coming and you're showing up and you're, you're serving alongside people, you're rubbing elbows with people as you, as you pour coffee, as you open doors, as you set up all of this stuff, we have to set all this up every week. Uh, as you're doing that, you're, there's going to be ministry that's going to happen. You're going to get to know people. You're going to get to talk with people. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Um, missional communities, that ministry is going to happen. When you're out serving in the community, uh, that ministry is going to happen. And so, uh, so those are our three main ways. Just I wanted to put that out there in case anybody was wondering, hey, I've been I've come two or three times, and I haven't really heard anything about how I can get plugged in. I want to put that out there for you. Just approach anybody in a badge, and they would love to help you out. Really, you could probably just ask almost anybody because almost anybody could probably give you some information. But uh, go to the website, and you can find that there. We're jumping into a new series today called Soul Detox. Soul Detox. I had to do that fast because that wasn't like necessarily scripted and part of my time limit. So I had to run through that really quickly. I'm sorry. So uh, new series. Uh, this is called Soul Detox. And, and through, um, I, I knew that I was going to be doing this series for a couple of months. And 
Ian, there's actually a book in my bag. Can you hand that to me? Uh, so I knew we were going to be doing this for, uh, I've known we were going to be doing this for a couple of months, and I thought of this cool name, Soul Detox, and it's very, you know, current and modern and, and, and I think appropriate, and it's, it's just something that would probably uh, strike your, your interest, like Soul Detox, what, you know, what's, what is that? And, and so I came up with this, had the idea and, and, the, and the content and the visuals, and I had an idea for the visuals. And then a few weeks ago on a random Google search, I learned that my idea was, in fact, not original. <laughs> in fact, uh, there's, a, there's another very large church uh, called, called Life Church. It's actually one of the largest in the country. Uh, depending on whose numbers you look at, they are the largest in the country based out of Oklahoma. And uh, they're pastored by a phenomenal pastor named Craig Groeschel. And, um, and, and he actually wrote a book called Soul Detox. <laughs> Just... Not even a variation from what I thought, just the exact words that came to my mind. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun, I guess. Um, so I figured I would pick it up since it's the topic of what we're going to be talking about over these next few weeks. And uh, it's actually a great book with a ton of practical uh, insights, a lot of really great information. So I feel perfectly uh, okay recommending this to you to go check it out, go buy it if you want to. Uh, the information and the, and the things that we're going to talk about don't necessarily come out of this book, but being that it is the sim a similar topic, there probably will be some overlap uh, at some point. So just, just be aware aware uh, of that, but you can go check that out. In fact, uh, their, their church has put out a ton of resources on this particular um, on this particular topic, and so uh, there's actually even a, an, a Bible app. Uh, if, you, if you get on the, the Bible app on your phone and you uh, do any of sort of the subscribe to the devotions, you know, all the different devotions that they have, there's one for Soul Detox, and it's a five-week devotion. So if you wanted to jump on there and actually just kind of um, you know, follow through on some of the things that they have there for that. That would actually be pretty cool as well. So you can feel free to do so. I just wanted to let you know up front, this is apparently already a thing. So um, detox, such a popular word right now, I, I feel like. I, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I hear this, this, this idea, detox. Uh, everybody's a little more health conscious these days. I feel like maybe it's just because I'm getting older. You know, maybe when I was younger, nobody was health conscious. And now that I'm getting older, people are health conscious. And maybe that's why I feel like it. But I just feel like everybody's a little more health conscious. Alternative diets are on the rise. Vegetarians and vegans are becoming more common. And chances are that you probably know somebody who's trying Whole30 or, or, or paleo or keto or their calorie counting or they're on some other eating plan. Or maybe you're, you're that person and you know what I'm talking about right here. Uh, we try keto for a day or two. I think we made it two, maybe three. You made it a little further. She made it a little further. I, I was turned off by the fat bombs. As soon as she started like talking about some fat bombs, I was done. So um, it's a weird diet. Look at, you can look it up. It's a lot of meat and fat, and it's, uh, it seems counterintuitive to me, but, uh, but there's science behind it, I think. And so uh, we dabble in the Whole30 realm a little bit. Um, so we, we're, we're there. We know what's going on. And, and it's, just a, it's just a thing. Everybody is staying away from gluten and MSGs and BPAs and GMOs and processed food and yellow dye number five, and, and they're replacing them with organic vegetables and locally sourced fruit and grass-fed beef and free-roam chickens that lay cage-free eggs. And, and, and they want to eat all the omega-3s and the superfoods and the probiotics, and it's just exhausting. But this is the culture we live in. This is, this is life right now. You know, the thing is, is, with any one of these diets or eating plans, any one of these, they almost all call for a detox 
at the beginning of the diet because here's the idea. You've got to push out the bad toxins before transitioning to the new things that are supposed to make you healthy. Right? So before you can become the better version of yourself that these diets promise that you can become, before you can become the better version of yourself, you have to push out all the bad stuff from your body. I think that we've been picking up toxins from the culture and the world around us. All right? We've been picking up bad habits and bad tendencies and overall things that are detrimental to our souls. I believe that, that there are legitimate things in our lives that are negatively impacting our souls, that are poisoning our souls. That's right. I think we can be poisoned. We have poison in our souls. Some things that, that are slowly tearing us down, and we'll talk about what that means over the course of this series. So then what does that mean, soul detox? I, I know what a detox is. It means I can't eat anything good for like 10 to 14 days. Right? I can't eat anything good. I've probably got to drink a lot of liquids and I've got to go to the bathroom a lot. Right? That's what happens in the course of a detox. If you've ever gone through one of those, you drink 24 gallons of water a day and you go to the bathroom a lot because you're getting out all of the toxins. You're getting all the bad stuff out of your body. But what about this idea of soul detox? I mean, if I just found out, like maybe you're sitting in here and you just found out and thought for the very first time, wow, my soul is being poisoned. What do I do about this? Where do I go from here? I want to I want to I want to get that fixed, right? But we first have to build a foundation to start from here this morning. So before we can really talk about soul detox, we have to talk about our souls for just a moment. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We really need to understand and this is really important in how we do life that we are a body with a soul. We're not a body with a soul, but instead we are a soul with a body. All right, write that down. You need to understand that because that is going to be important for everything that we're going to talk about over these next weeks. We're not, we're, we're not a body with a soul, but instead we are a soul with a body. Let that sink in. Because here's the thing. Whenever you die, your body dies, but your soul lives somewhere forever. We're not a body with a soul, but we are a soul with a body. In fact, this may, this may point your, your mind to a, to a similar quote that's been floating around. Maybe you've heard it before. Uh, it's, attributed to, uh, it's attributed to C.S. Lewis, although that's actually incorrect. But the quote says, uh, you do not have a soul. You, are, you do not have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. So that's, that's, the, that's the quote. I had to put the right inflection there because that's actually important to the quote. You do not have a soul. You are a soul. You actually have a body. So there's no record of C.S. Lewis actually saying this, uh, but for some reason it's attributed to him. And the quote in full can actually be traced back to a Scottish minister uh, back in the uh, 1800s, and his name was George MacDonald. And he was speaking in reference to, the, to our mourning of somebody who's passed away, a, a loved one who's, who's passed away. And, and this is what he says. And this is, this is the quote that I think originated and how this came about. He says this, uh, never tell a child you have a soul. Teach him you are a soul. You have a body. As we learn to think of things always in this order, that the body is but the temporary clothing of the soul, our views of death and the unbefittingness of customary mourning will approximate to those of friends in earlier generations. Either way, the point remains that our bodies, this body is temporary. 
The world is temporary. Our money, our clothes, our possessions, our heirlooms, the things that we hold so closely and care so much about on this earth are temporary. But our souls, that's everlasting. That's everlasting. That goes on and on and on. That's what we're fighting for. Our souls will live on long after this body has returned to dust. So where is it going to be? is the question. Where's your soul going to be? That's a question that you have to work out with fear and trembling before the Lord. Where is your soul going to be? But what we're going to talk about over this series is how healthy will we keep it while we're here on this earth? Because we are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. Now listen, let me throw out a little, a little disclaimer here for just a moment for those theologians in the room. All right, We're not going to take a deep dive into trichotomy and dichotomy. All right, it's not going to happen. And if you don't even know what those words mean, that's fine. You can look it up. You can Google it when you get home because we're not going to take a deep dive into that. also want to clarify in this series is not meant to downplay the importance of our physical bodies. All right, uh, when I say that we're, uh, we, are, we are a soul that has a body, not a body that has a soul, and I, and I talk about how important our soul health is, all right, don't, I want you to hear me. We're not downplaying the importance of our body. Our body is important. We need to be a good steward of this body. We are embodied creatures with the promise of an embodied resurrection. Jesus incarnated in a body and resurrected with a body. So our bodies are important. But for the purposes of this series, let's just focus on the health of our soul, shall we? So in this series, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cover some different topics of the soul. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, the heavy soul. So many of us on the outside, we're smiling, but, but inwardly, we're very, very heavy. I believe that. We're going to talk about the tortured soul in a few weeks. We're going to look in the final week at the seduced soul. So this is absolutely a topical series. Over the last four to five weeks, we've been more, in, more of an, an exegetical series. We've been walking through the text kind of line by line and, and pulling things out of con, in, in context as, as to what we see there and, and what the Holy Spirit's teaching us. And the series is different. We're going to be hitting some important issues that many of us face over these weeks. So I encourage you to invite someone that is struggling. Invite someone that, that is struggling with their thoughts, their fears, their anxieties, Invite someone that seems to have a restless soul over these weeks. In fact, that's what I came to talk to you about today, the restless soul. If you're taking notes and you need to have, you know, a title, that's what you can call this one, the restless soul. And I know that so many of you will see yourself in this subject. So many of you will see yourself in what we're going to talk about. This message is specifically, I believe, for several people in this theater here today. I don't know who you are. But I believe that this message is for some people here in this theater this morning. So if you know the story in Genesis uh, of Cain and Abel, all right, so they were brothers and, and Cain got jealous of Abel's sacrifice being, being accepted and Cain killed his brother Abel, right? This is the first recorded murder in scripture. And God actually cursed him in Genesis 4, 11 through 12. And scripture says that God said to Cain, now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. All right, here's the deal, Cain. You killed your brother, right? So there has to be punishment. This is what God's saying. And then he says this. He said, when you work the ground, you will no longer yield its crop. It will no longer yield its crops for you. So, so what's, what, what will you become? It's, it's on the screen. So, and I just want to make sure you're awake with me out there this morning. God said to them, say this with me. You will be a what? Restless. Restless wanderer, 
a restless wanderer. So many of us have a restless soul. We're always searching, but never finding. We're always interested in everything, but satisfied by nothing. In, inwardly, we're always wound up. All right, we're, we're, we're keeping the pedal to the floor and we're go, 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 go all the time. We're always thinking about the next thing, the next big thing, the next money-making plan, the next, uh, the next kid, the next car, the next house payment, the next Instagram post. We may even try to find rest for our bodies. You know what? I, my body is tired, so let me find rest for, for my body. But even in those times, we think that physical rest might help. So we go to the spa. We go get a massage. We take a me day, and we treat yourself, right? We do these things. We break from Facebook or Instagram. We tell everybody we're taking a break, and then we keep looking at it for, you know, whatever. I don't know. And, and, and then we, we go on vacation, and we try to do things that rest the body, but we never really find rest for our souls, we're anxious, we're tense, we're worried, we're concerned. Our, our minds just don't know how to shut down. Even when we're at rest at night, even when we're laying in our beds, internally our souls do not rest. It's a restless soul. I think some people are experiencing that in their, in their life right now. I love what Solomon says, though, in Ecclesiastes, and I think uh, I've lived much of my adult Christian life in this way, and chances are there's many people in this room that have done it this way as well. Ecclesiastes 2, 22 says, uh, what, what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is in grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. Man, I want, I want to pause for just a moment and ask you, to be really honest, how many of you, you're often, you're often wound up on the inside. You find it difficult to calm down in your soul. Sometimes at night your mind is going. You lay there in bed for an hour, two hours, three hours, and you can't shut it down. You may even be with a family and you can't stop, you can't stop the thoughts and the concerns and the anxieties and, 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 and the fears from flooding. And how many of you would say that your mind and your soul rarely, rarely finds deep rest? Who would be honest and raise their hand and say, my mind and my soul rarely finds deep rest? I just want to do that because I want you to know that you're not alone. People all over this room raise their hand. You're not alone. We're all in the same boat together. We all have, many of us have restless souls, but here's the thing, church, God doesn't want us to live this way. And I came to tell you this morning that it doesn't have to be this way. God wants more for us. God wants more for our souls. He doesn't want us to be crippled by fears and thoughts and anxieties and frustrations and worries and our bitterness and our unforgiveness. God wants us to thrive. He wants our souls to be clean and worry-free. God provides a way for us to experience that, a way to have rest. So what is it? What is, what is this way? Where do we find rest for our souls? This is going to sound like the most preacher answer you have ever heard. But I want you to know that this is true beyond a shadow of a doubt. There is one place and one place only that we find rest for our souls, and that is in God. If you're taking notes, write this down. Our souls find rest in God alone. Our souls find rest in God alone. In the Psalms, David says, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. We're going to be reading out of the Psalms a lot this morning. 
my soul inwardly, eternity, eternally, who I am, the essence of who I am only finds rest in God and God alone. In other words, there's no husband or wife. There's no boyfriend or girlfriend. There's no, no toy or gadget, no amazing experience or adventure, no vacation, no amount of likes on social media, no dream home, no amount of money. There is no thing outside of God that can calm our ailing souls except for God himself. Nothing. My soul finds rest in him alone. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. Jesus has something to say about this as well. Let's jump over to Matthew 11 for just a moment. Jesus has something to say about this as well. He says this in uh, Matthew 11, 28. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, come to me. This is some of you in here right now. Not just in your body, but in your soul, you're weary. Maybe you barely got yourself here this morning. It was a struggle to get yourself out of bed and convince yourself to go to church today. You're just stressed out, you're overwhelmed, you're tense, you're worried, you're, you're anxious, not only physically, but where it really, really matters in who you are, in your soul, you're struggling. Come to me, Jesus says. If that's you, come to me. Come to Jesus, come to the Son of God. I have something for you, child. Somebody needs to hear that today. Jesus Jesus does not want you just when you're all put together and when you've got it all figured out. All right, you don't have to have everything, all the, all the, all the boxes checked, all the, the T's crossed and the I's dotted. You don't have to be in that place to come to Jesus. He wants you right now, just as you are. He wants you even while you're still broken and bruised and hurting and struggling. He's calling somebody in this place this morning that is weary and burdened. He's whispering to you, come to me. I see your pain. I see your struggle. I see where you're at. Come to me. You're, you're, you're racking your brain trying to figure out how to fix this, how to make this better. What can I do? What can I get? What can I be? Come to me. That's the solution. That's what we have to do. That's what we have to keep coming back to. Stop worrying about the next bill right now and come to me. Stop thinking about that guy or girl that left you and come to me. Stop dwelling on the past and come to me. Stop being anxious about the future and come to me, Jesus says. Somebody needs to hear that this morning because somebody is running away from God in the midst of this situation. That's the last thing we need to do. We need to run to God. We need to come to him. The verse goes on. Um, it says, uh, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that what we long for? Maybe you didn't realize it before this moment. Before this morning, before we started talking about it, maybe all you think about is the knots in your muscles, the aching feet, the, 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 the body that's giving way, right? 
Maybe that's what you're thinking about and, and your idea of rest and relaxation. It, are those spa days? Is the massage? Is the, you know, whatever, the lay, laying in bed all day? Maybe that's your thing, just sleeping for like 12 hours straight with no kids interrupting you. But maybe right now you're realizing, you know what, that, that's good. That helps. But that still doesn't give me rest in my soul. That's what I really need. Where do we find true rest for our souls? The answer is in God alone. So naturally, the next question uh, that I would be asking is, okay, how do I find that? How do I get that? If true rest is in God, how do I rest in God? And we're going to look very quickly at three, uh, three ways, three different things that Scripture says about resting in God. And my prayer is that these three truths, these three things we're going to look at will take root in your lives, in your hearts, and in your souls, and you'll be able to see them transform you. We'll be able to truly experience rest in our souls because of these principles. And here's the first one. Be still before God. Be still before God. It says in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Be still before the Lord. Can I go ahead and state the obvious? Notice here that the psalmist doesn't say, be busy and know that I am God, Right? He doesn't say be productive and know that I am God, right? He doesn't, say, he doesn't say be worried and know that I am God. Be anxious and know that I am God. Be tired from all that good stuff you've been doing and know that I am God. He doesn't say that. He says be still, stop, pause, wait, and know. Know in your soul that God is is on the throne, all of the issues that you're struggling with, all the strife that you're dealing with, he's got this. That's our God. He's got this. Be still and know that I am God. I have the universe in the palm of my hands. I am God. I know your situation intimately. I am God. I get what you're feeling. I know what you're going through. I am God. I hear your inner thoughts. I hear your, your heart's cry because I am God. There is no issue that's too big for our God. There's nothing that he can't handle, right? Be still and know that I am God. <clears throat> I often think that um, there's something broken in our kids, my children. Not our kids collectively, just my kids. I think there's something broken in them sometimes. I look at other kids see them sitting down in public quietly <laughs> without screaming or fighting or biting or pulling hair or any of these things. I, I, see them, I see them just, you know, being good little children. And then I look at my kids. Now, they may look cute on the outside, but they can be wild a lot of times. Often, they are wild, wild children taking them to important and uh, quiet things, such as weddings, dance recitals, plays, performances, etc., usually just ends up me uh, and, 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 and Jen, you know, trying to hush them and keep them still for about an hour straight, right? Trying to shove food in their mouths, and that works for, you know, three minutes, and then we're done. And then now they want more food, and we didn't bring more food. So now they want to, you know, get up and go find food or, or do, do things, 
right? So, so it's, just, it's just usually me begging and pleading with them for an hour to be quiet and to be still. I just want them sometimes to be still. I think sometimes we have to take control of our souls and just silence our soul. We have to say, soul, you can talk to your soul like that, that's fine. Soul, sit down, soul, and be still. We can talk to it like a child, that's fine. Sit down. We, gotta, we have to take control. We have to say, so let's, let's be still right now. Let's be quiet right now. It's time to rest in the Lord. We just have to take charge in that instance. And we have to do this. I, I love this. David says in Psalm 131, he says, uh, but I have stilled my, and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. That's why we can talk to our souls like children. Right? David says, David says, I, I have stilled and quieted my soul. We need to practice this. This is something that needs to happen consistently in our lives if we ever want to have rest for our souls. We have to first still and quiet our souls to stop and be still before the Lord. Let me offer some difficult yet important practical advice to this point. Here's the challenge, I guess. Take five minutes a day and be still before the Lord. Listen, I want you to hear me. I didn't say take five minutes a day and do a Bible study. I didn't say take five minutes a day and read your devotion. I didn't say take five minutes a day and, 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 and pray with another person. Those are all great things and definitely, definitely, definitely do those things. Take five minutes a day and be still before the Lord. Shut it down. All right? Just, just don't, don't think about what you have to do. Being still is not sitting in a chair and literally not moving, uh, but, but still thinking about all the things you have to do today. Thinking about that checklist. Thinking about where you got to go and who you got to meet and who you got to talk to. Like that's not being still and quiet before the Lord. Pause and be still and quiet before the Lord. Just five minutes a day. Rest in him. You may think that sounds crazy easy and oversimplistic, but trust me, it's not. It is so hard to get your mind to stop for even five minutes. But this is why it's so crucial that we try. It is so much harder than we think because you're going to start, you're going you're gonna to sit down and you're going to start and the first 30 seconds are going to be great. Your mind is clear and then you're going to think about how your mind is clear and then you're going to think about clearing the table from breakfast and then it's going to go on and on. Then you're going to think about the dishes you have to do and the places you have to go and then the next thing you know, it's been five minutes but you've been still for about 30 seconds. It's a lot harder than it seems. But take five minutes. I just want to challenge you with that. I want to encourage you with that. Do that over the court. Do, the, do that this next week. Do that over this next series. Just take five minutes a day and be still and know that he is God. The second thing that scripture teaches us to do when we're being still is to wait for him. Just wait for him. Just wait for God. Again, we're loving the Psalms here this morning. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him in Psalms 37. Be still and wait patiently for him. So right out of the gate, here are two 
the, the, these first two of three things, I told you there's going to be three things. The first two are things that most of us hate. Being still and waiting. Right? A lot of us, maybe some people like being still. That, that, was, that one's maybe like 50-50. I would say, like, I don't like being still. I like, I like going. I like doing. I like being. Right? I like getting around and doing stuff. It's, it's, it's hard for me to be still. So maybe for some of you, it's not that hard. Maybe you like sitting in a chair by yourself and not doing anything, and maybe that's easier for you. But, but, but for me, I, I dislike just being still because I feel like it's not productive, and I feel like I need to be productive. But, but most of us, I would venture to guess, hate waiting. I've already told you how much I hate waiting in, in, in previous weeks and messages. I am a full-on millennial when it comes to this topic. I cannot stand to wait for many things, especially in a line. <sighs> Lines. You know, I, I feel like I have patience, and my wife, I think, would say, I have patience in most areas of my life. I'm, I'm, I'm very patient with, with our children, regardless of what I said earlier. I'm actually very patient with our children I'm I'm very patient person in general, uh, but when when it comes to lines, I'm not I'm not patient. I cannot I cannot be even if there's something fantastic at the end of the line, I'm still gonna grumble and complain until I actually get to uh, that said item. Right? I'm just I really hate waiting. We hate to wait as a society. We live in in an on demand world. We want instant gratification. We have fast food, fast delivery, fast uh, fast shipping, and we don't like to wait. No, no, none of us likes to wait. But that translates over to our Christian walk, too. We say, I'm a believer now, so God, change my desires. Now. Change them now. I said yes. I accepted the free gift that you offered. Now change me, right now. I don't want to wait. I don't want it to happen over time. I don't want you to sanctify me and develop me and disciple me. I don't want any of that to happen. I just want right now. God, I would like for you to speak to me through your word. Perfectly reasonable uh, question, perfectly reasonable request for us to make to the Lord. But we want, I want you to speak through your word right now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to read a whole chapter of scripture before I hear a word from you. I want to I open the Bible. I want to randomly flip through, open the Bible. I want to read one verse, and I want you to speak to me now. God, why aren't you speaking to me? Close it up. Thanks for nothing. We don't like to wait. If you want to know why God's not speaking to you, I would ask, how much time are you being still before him and waiting on him? Listen, God's not moving on Robbie's central standard time. All right, he's not moving on my time. He's moving on God's time. And we need to get to the habit and the practice of waiting on the Lord. We need to open up the word and we need to wait for him to speak to you as you read. Psalm 135 says, I I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. Verse six, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. Maybe that phrase seems a little out of place and a little weird for you. Watchmen. What does that mean? The watchman waiting for the morning. Well, in the Old Testament, the watchman would stand on the wall Right and at night, and they would they would watch for approaching enemies. They would be looking out, and they wanna they wanna watch for approaching enemies, and they would know when the morning comes, and that's when their shift would be over because the sun would rise and their shift would be done, and then they could leave. And they know every day the sun is going to come up because since the beginning of time the sun comes up. They know that that's a thing. They expect it. 
but we should have that same divine expectation that just as the sun is going to come up, God is going to show up. Just as the watchman waiting for the sun, we wait for God to show up because we know it's going to happen. It's only a matter of time. We wait on God with that same kind of expectation, and we just wait for the Lord as the watchman waits for the morning. Here's the third thing. I want to encourage you as you're waiting and being still, number three, just take a moment and reflect on God's goodness. Just reflect on God's goodness. Here's the thing. So often, if we're being still, if we're taking a moment, we're so tempted to to think about all that has to be done, and even in a good way, even in a good way, like I want to do this for the Lord today, and I want to do this for the Lord today, and I want to do this even in a good way, right? I'm not saying it's all bad. We're so tempted to do that. I challenge you to take a moment and to think about all that God has already done. Don't just think about what has to be done. Think about what God has already done. Internalize his goodness. Allow it to comfort your souls. Let's go back to the Psalms one more time this morning. Psalm 116. Be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. How much weight this this passage carries. Delivered my soul from death. Reflect on God's goodness. Remember what he has done for you. He has saved your soul. That's worth reflecting on every single day. That's something to cheer about. That's something to get excited about. That's something for us to to experience again and again and again and to go back to and remember our first love. He saved your soul. So I think there are a lot of different ways this can play out for you. When I say reflect on God's goodness, you can sit and be still. You can reflect on the promises that God has fulfilled in your life. You can, you can reflect on the different names of God, uh, the people he's placed in your life. You can think about his provision and his salvation and his faithfulness. You can quote scripture to yourself and, and allow it to take root in your soul. But above all, remember that he has delivered your soul from death. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have to understand that he has forgiven you. That you are a new creation in Christ. That the old is gone and the new has come. And that should bring rest to your soul. That he will not hold against you the sins that you have committed. They are forever cast into the sea of forgetfulness because of the blood that Jesus spilt. That should calm your soul. You reflect on who he is. That he is the Lord our God. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the one who was and the one who is to come. We follow Jesus who is the Lamb of God and he is the Lion of Judah. He is the soon returning, conquering King of kings, Lord of lords. We serve a God who is so big that he's working in all things to bring about good for you, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He says, I have plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. He says that he is for you. And when you meditate on him and and you're worried about tomorrow, suddenly you, re- suddenly you realize he's already in tomorrow. 
And because he was faithful yesterday, you know that he's going to be faithful tomorrow. He's going to continue to be faithful. Our souls then can be at rest as we reflect on God, reflect on his glory, reflect on his righteousness, reflect on who he is. That should give our souls rest. I want you to know, church, that God does not want us to live restless lives. By his mercy and his grace, I believe that we can find rest in our souls. So here's what I want to do over the next few moments. I want to give you some time to be still. Because I know in this culture of of toxic busyness, many of us don't even know how to do that. We don't know how to be still. We don't know how to sit down, calm our souls, and talk to God. We don't know how to just listen and wait on the Lord. The only place you're going to find rest is in God alone. Each week we have a dedicated time of prayer, and it looks a little different each and every week. And, um, but, but today, here's what we're going to do. There's not going to be any songs to sing, no lyrics on the screen. We're not going to get into groups with partners. We're not going to pair off. We're not going to do any of those things. I just want to give you an opportunity to be still this morning. All right, this might be awkward for you. And we're just going to we're just going to spend the first like 2 or 3 minutes Jordan in just silence. This might be awkward for you. But let me encourage you this get past the first minute or two of awkwardness. And then embrace the stillness that we can have before the Lord. This is your time right now, right here in this place. You're going to leave from here and you're going to go eat lunch and you're going to go visit family. And then you're probably going to go home and like nap or watch the masters or then you got something planned for tonight and you got work tomorrow morning and you've got the week's going to start and it's going to get busy and you're going to get caught up in the flow of things. But right here, right now, this morning, I want to give you time to rest to be still and wait on the Lord. If you need to talk or pray, I'm not going to take that time away from you. I will be in this middle section there. Come down. You can talk and you can pray. If you want to talk about Jesus, I would love to talk to you about him. But this is it. This is the last thing we're going to do. And then I think in a little bit, Dave, a few moments, Dave's going to come up and he's going to share our closing remarks with you. So in these last few moments of this gathering, I just want you to be still before the Lord, to embrace the quietness, to listen deep in your soul to what he's telling you, to wait on him, to allow him to give your soul rest in these moments. It might only be five minutes, but I pray that you leave refreshed because of what he's going to do in in these moments. So go ahead and take that time now to be still and pray before the Lord.